and welcome to A Problem Squared, a podcast dedicated to solving some of your problems. That's right, if there's something strange in your neighbourhood, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters, obviously. But if you're finding range or the nth root, who are you going to call? Still not us, because we don't have a phone line. However, we do have a website where you can enter your details and we might address your problem within 6 to 12 months. I'm your host, Beck Hill, also known as the gatekeeper when I go walking due to my impressive stride. And I'm joined by your other host, Matt Parker, also known as the keymaster for his obsession with typing out words that have the least amount of distance between the letters. I'll accept that. There you go. Wow. Gate. Good. Like that. Good use of gate. Of Initially, it was going to be that if we were in Ghostbusters that you would be the Peter Venkman to my Slimer. <laughs> I also would have accepted Gatemaster, like in terms of like logic gates. But what, then I would be the Keymaster? Come on I now, don't, Matt. No, I don't know. No one's going to yeah, believe that. that's a good point. I will take Keymaster. You could um, be Zool. Yeah, for my, my typing. You could be Zool. There, there is only Zool. Mm. So there you are. I mean, great intro. I also, like you managed to slip in a disclaimer... With the six to twelve month window around responding to people's problems, which I think is still mildly optimistic. I think it's more in the window of zero to twenty-four months. I would say we we might respond to it and just not even give a just not yeah, give good a, luck. Promise anything. I think this episode, episode zero two four, are we both responding to problems that have come in like quite recently? I feel like they're both very recently submitted problems. Yes, these ones are recent because this episode comes out on Halloween. Hello, everyone who's listening to the episode on the day of release. And if not, just imagine that it's Halloween. I'd put out a specific request for any spooky problems that we could try and solve. And we're tackling one each. In fact, in this episode... I'm looking into the biggest hole you can make in a pumpkin... I'll be helping someone with some pesky poltergeists. And we have the results from the cupboard or nupid survey. Let's get started. What do what have you been up to since we, we last spoke? Oh my goodness. I I went to Leeds. That's probably my big, big outing. Oh, did you have some hot leads? I did have some hot leads. I was following up on some leads because your friend of mine, Seb Lee Delisle, hey. was doing a laser installation in Leeds. So oh, in, nice. my, in my diary, I had Seb Leeds Delisle uh, nice. as like the name of name of the trip, which I found I uh, deeply entertaining. Yeah. So Seb was installing lasers to project lightning effects onto a building. He had like nine outrageously powerful lasers which combined with the equivalent of 400,000 laser pointers. So for wow. people who are into, like a, like a normal laser pointer is like milliwatts of power. So it's like 0.005 watts or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas the ones Seb had, the lowest power ones were 11 watts going up to 30 watts. That's a lot. That's a lot of watts. So I went up there to film a video about some of the programming involved in controlling these lasers. And while I was at it, I realized there's a new hands-on maths exploratorium that's just opened in Leeds called Math City. And I was Aww. very excited. So I went to Math City. They gave me free entry. That's what <laughs> being a math celebrity gets you. Free entry. 
That's why they call me the Master City Keymaster. They do. So I um I went and played with all their stuff. It's great. I made a bubble big enough for me to be inside. So I have now been inside a bubble. That's so, a big bubble. So You're not a small person. It's a big bubble. Not a small person. Takes a big bubble to encase this guy. So <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And I went to Leeds train station that recently opened their platform zero. Yes. I didn't realize this until I was in Leeds. And I went, wait a minute. Is this the... Because last year, and you know because you, you were integral to this process. <laughs> yeah. I went and I visited <laughs> every train station with a platform zero in the United Kingdom, of mm. which there were eight. They're a lot of fun. And a new one opened in Leeds. So I went there. As tradition dictates, I stood on it and I took a photo of me pointing at the zero on the sign. I saw on Twitter that someone uh, spotted, someone was I like, stopped. I think I just walked past Matt, stand up, Matt. They, they saw me lurking but now you're about. Saying you can say hello in post. Yeah, hello to that person. For the record, people, you are all always very welcome to come up and say hello. I've been around you when people have been nervous to talk. You're, you're, you're not intimidating at all. You're lovely. Yeah. As you know, I'm a deeply unpleasant person normally, but I'm obviously <laughs> able to. Uh, That's why I always try and hang around you when you're near fans. <laughs> As soon as we're away oh, just, from just them, you're, you're awful to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but how have you been, Beck? Have you have you been to Leeds? Oh, a while back. I liked it. I'd happily go again. So what have you been doing not in Leeds? Well, since I last saw you, I had the book launch for Horror Heights. Oh, yes. I couldn't make it. I'm very sorry. Won't lie, Matt. Hugely disappointed. Was very much looking forward to seeing you on soft play equipment designed for children. I held my book launch party at a events place in North London, which had a little arcade. Like video games. Foosball and yeah. video games and a Ooh. like a punching machine. <laughs> One of those punch bag machines. Not a machine that punches. And <laughs> oh, what was that? Oh sorry, that's the punching machine. <laughs> Buy my book. <laughs> uh, I, I set up a slime station so people can make their own slime. And then there was this three story soft play area with like four or five massive slides in it. We had like a photo booth and stuff. It was great. You know, you know, I would have thrown myself into that. Yeah, we did yeah. like hide and seek and yeah. tag, that kind of stuff. It was real fun. It was wow. nice. And then I had such a fun time that I was like, I must find out if there's more places like this <laughs> in London. And I did. I found there was a place in East Croydon. They had bumper cars and laser tag. That was good. So oh, wow. I thoroughly uh, recommend it. You've discovered a new hobby. Adult yeah. play spaces. Yeah. As a hobby. And uh, being safe, I would like to do more of that. More soft play areas, please. More slides. There are probably loads of these places around around the earth. So any listeners who know an adult-appropriate soft play location, let us know. We'll make a list. And then as we travel around the planet, <gasps> we will endeavor to drop by. Yeah. And, and review, harshly review. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever your local city has to offer in terms of adult soft play locations. So I, I have a list of geometrically interesting children's playgrounds that people have sent me. Oh. So if I ever go somewhere in the world, I just search for the name of that city on my computer. But these, I mean, the problem here is these are just kids' playgrounds. So I, I then have to go and find them as an adult. <laughs> i got to wait until there's no kids using the children's playground so I can then... Um, uh, see, but if you're with me, you'll get away with it. You'll be fine. That's true. Everyone I'm will like, be like, oh, he's, he's a good dad. Be like, Who's that deeply unpleasant guy 
<laughs> and his and his daughter. With a very large <laughs> child. Our first problem comes from Eric VH via Twitter, who says, What is the largest single hole relative to the size of the pumpkin one can carve out of a pumpkin without the pumpkin collapsing? How should one cut said hole? Great, great question. That's for you, Matt. A great problem. I mean, I don't know why this is a problem. Eric, maybe there's a competition in the household who can make the biggest hole in their pumpkin. And Eric's like, I know just just the crack team of problem solvers to help me with this. But I saw (laughs) that and I was like, oh, this is amazing because I already know there is an area of mathematics that I've previously looked into and I think is very interesting about how big a hole you can put in a thing. And I suspected the answer was that you can put a hole in a pumpkin that is bigger than the pumpkin. And I've now done it. I've confirmed it. You can put a hole in a pumpkin that is bigger than the pumpkin. It feels like this, this feels like something you would sell on a shop. Like it feels like an emperor's new clothes thing where it's that you just like, and here it is. And you hold up your hand and there's nothing in your hand. Exactly. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's a legit. And it's not so that there's, Another challenge, which is, can you cut a hole in a postcard big enough to climb through? And the answer to that is, yes, you can, because you cut it in such a way that it constantinas out, and then you can fit through it. This is not that. This does not involve rearranging or stretching or altering the pumpkin. You can make a hole in a pumpkin big enough that you could then fit that pumpkin through the hole. Through itself. Through itself. Absolutely. Like an auroribus? Is that what it's called? Like a a pumpkin eating its own tail. Yeah. And I knew about this because there's a thing called Prince Rupert's Cube. Is that a piercing? (laughs) No. That, could you have a piercing bigger? Huh. No. So a (laughs) Prince Rupert's Cube, very different. (laughs) This was an idea in the 1600s of, can you make a hole in a cube big enough to fit that cube through? And the answer, it turns out, is yes. And the reason why it works, and the reason why everyone's like, well, hang on, how can you have a hole bigger than the thing in Mm. the thing? And it's because the size of something changes depending on the way that you hold it up. So actually, I've got... Oh, I've got got a Rubik's Cube here. Okay, so so if I'm holding this Rubik's Cube up so Beck can see it, and I've got Mm -hmm. it face first, so you're looking straight at it, and all you're seeing is a square because it's exactly face on mm-hmm. towards you. If I was to rotate it to the side a bit, like it's a rectangle now. Oh, this is like that viral TikTok video where the guy keeps putting things through the square hole, like a round peg through the square hole and like then uh, and then like, like a the triangle through curve, the square the hole. Triangle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw the that. Like, watching it. <laughs> it's captioned like software developers watching users use their products is yeah. the context I saw that shared in. And it's right. And it's so good because all those shapes, somewhere in them, have a square cross section or something smaller than that square as a cross section, which means they all Mm -hmm. fit through that hole. It's exactly the same with this. If I was to cut the cube diagonally down the top here, I'd expose Mm. a big rectangular face because that's the cross section there. Mm. So if I wanted to put this cube through a hole, the smallest hole probably I could fit it through is a square this size, and I could slide it, slot it through that way. Whereas it would be a bit bigger if I tried to do it this way, it wouldn't fit. And I can actually put it diagonal first. So if I hold it that way, 
if you look at a cube... It's a hexagon. It's a hexagon. Yeah, it's exactly a hexagon if you look dead on to one of the corners. And the great thing about that hexagon is that hexagon is bigger than that square. So I could actually, if I held the cube this way, I could cut a square-shaped hole right through it oh. this way, and it would be big enough for the same cube to fit through on this orientation. Right. So what I'm saying is the smallest cross-section of a cube is smaller than the biggest cross-section of a cube. And so it means you can cut a hole through the biggest cross-section that would fit the smallest cross-section. Oh, Matt, we're going to get photos of your Rubik's Cube held at those different angles. Yep. We'll pop them onto Instagram and Twitter at a problem squared. So anyone who's listening who wants to quickly see a visual can pop on and have a look. Even better than the Rubik's Cube, I, a few years ago, made some cardboard models where there's actually the hole in the cube to fit the same size cube through. So you can see on the first photo, and again, I'll... um. We'll share these on our social media accounts. There's two cubes side by side, but one doesn't look much like a cube, like it's missing a huge section. That's because I've put that hole through it. But I've got a side by side picture so you can see that both the cubes are the same size. And then the other photo has one cube passing through the other one. So even though they're the same wow. size, one fits through the other one. And because I knew about this Prince Rupert's cube, I thought, well, hang on. What if I can do the same thing with a pumpkin? Is there a cross-section of a pumpkin <laughs> which is small enough to fit through a different cross-section of the same pumpkin? The key thing is you work out which orientation of the pumpkin has the greatest cross-sectional area. And so I went and bought two pumpkins that were as close to the same size as possible. I then got the first pumpkin and spent ages trying to orientate it to work out what would be its its smallest cross-section. And then I took yeah. a photo of it and I cut it out. Actually, oh, here, I've got it here. And so Matt then, is holding up like a, a black shape. Silhouette, silhouette of a pumpkin. Yeah. There's my cross-section of my pumpkin. Hmm. And then I projected this back onto the pumpkin, but ah. I reorientated it to what I thought was the biggest cross-section, drew it on with Sharpie, got a knife. Then you've got to keep the knife perpendicular to that cross-section. And the temptation is to stab the knife in perpendicular to the surface of the pumpkin, which is how most mm. people... You carve a pumpkin by stabbing straight into it. What you need to do is ignore the surface of the pumpkin and keep the knife pointing to the, that biggest cross-section. And <sighs> then if you follow that around, that's what gives you the tunnel going in the correct direction um, through the center. And uh, do you want to see it? Here it is. Yes. Yes, of course I do. This is it. This, are you ready? This is a pumpkin with the biggest hole put through it. So this pumpkin has a hole bigger than itself. There. <laughs> there's not There's not a lot of pumpkin left. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll describe it. What Matt is yeah. holding is a is a, is a crown made of pumpkin yeah, skin. A band. <laughs> It is a pumpkin's belt. What's interesting about it is it's not just like the band from the middle of a pumpkin because to be able to fit it through itself, the hole needs to be a little bit bigger than its width. Yeah. And so this is actually a diagonal band, like it, it wraps around the pumpkin. Yeah. So this bit starts on the top of the pumpkin and then the band goes down the diagonal and then there's a bit at the bottom of the pumpkin. And you can see some of my sketching is still on here. Yeah. Again, I'll take photos of this. And so here's another pumpkin that's the same size. And are you ready? I can just, yeah. look at that. It just 
Oh my gosh. Fits through it, that. There it is. It went through. Nothing so, but rim. <laughs> exactly. There you are. It, you don't have to squash it. it no, just, no. It goes, it just, yeah, it goes through. It goes straight through. I've, I feel like this would be more impressive if I had seen both pumpkins side by side. Because even though you've explained what you did to me, yep. there is still something in my head that is like, oh, it's just a bigger pumpkin. It's just a big, it's just a hooper pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. This, this came from the same size pumpkin. How, because the thing is with a cube, you can actually fit a cube that's bigger than the cube through another cube. So you can actually have a cube, which is 6% bigger by length, fit through a cube. Because you can see like what I've left of the pumpkin here is a bit of thickness. Mm. So actually I could have made it even thinner and you could fit an even mm. bigger pumpkin. So this hole is actually bigger than the original pumpkin because then it gives it plenty of clearance for one to, to go through. So yeah. on a cube at 6%, I don't know on a pumpkin how much bigger a pumpkin could be and fit through a smaller pumpkin, but I just experimentally found that I could get um, this one to fit. So, You've got um, photos and footage to show I do. I got photos. I've got a I've got a side-by-side -side photo of the two pumpkins to start with, and then I got all the footage. If I get time, I will put it up on YouTube, on <gasps> one of my YouTube channels. I'll put out the footage. It's a Halloween um, miracle. Exactly. Exactly. So, Eric, I hope that answers your question. Well, actually, yeah. as the keeper of the dings for this oh, yeah. one, <laughs> what I will We're, say yeah. is that Eric's question was, "How big can you make the hole before the pumpkin collapses in on itself?" There you go. So, I think Bigger what than we the need to decide is whether a hole that has another, like it's because what you've got there is a pumpkin with essentially two holes in it. Oh, don't, don't. Yeah, I know you love this stuff. I've read your book. Yeah, don't start don't start the number of holes, but okay, carry on. Because otherwise, I mean, couldn't you, in theory, just cut out a very small piece of pump? Like, you know, say you're cutting out an eye of a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. But then you take the eye and you say, this is the, size the of biggest the hole. hole. The rest I've of it, cut. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the difference between... And I found this interesting when I was talking to people. Some people imagine a pumpkin as being a hollow shell. And some people imagine the pumpkin as being a solid object. And so mm. I always imagine it as a solid object. And you've got to scoop out everything inside. So for me, solid object, and I've punched a hole through the middle of it. Other people are like, it's like a balloon. And so a hole is just puncturing the outer shell of the pumpkin. I've taken it to be a solid object that I've then tunneled a hole right through the middle of. So I would say this is a pumpkin with one hole in it. Matt, have you ever seen a jack-o'-lantern where they haven't scooped it out? No, but that's not a pumpkin. That's a jack-o'-lantern. The question was... Oh, I see. <laughs> and for the record, I'm going to put this on my doorstep and put a candle in it. Please do. Right. So I'm fully committed to this being my, my Halloween pumpkin. My um, Mathalantan. Mathalantan. I will um. Nice. I will uh. I will take a photo of it on my on my front front doorstep with some yeah. candles. Like it looks like someone badly peeled a bit of a. This was not easy. Yeah. To what did carve. you use? Because that was Eric's other question. Was what? How would you cut it? I used the smallest, pointiest knife. Yeah. I was very careful. I always think if this goes wrong. In what direction will it go wrong? The the pointy bit of the knife was never cutting towards any of my fingers or me because it would slip so easily. 
Mm, that's good safety advice, actually. Safety I'm advice. glad you mentioned I, that because we I feel we the need to mention to that because this is not an easy thing to cut. Yeah. So my answer to the problem is you can make a hole bigger than the pumpkin through the pumpkin and it hasn't collapsed. That's, you know, perfectly stable. Can you authorize a ding or do you want to oh, throw this back to Eric? I'm going to throw this one back to Eric because it is very impressive. So I am tempted to Thank ding you. it for that alone. But I think I had the same visual as Eric and my brain was like, I'm trying to imagine putting one hole in a pumpkin, scooping everything out and seeing at what point it, it becomes, yeah, at what point does it stop being a hole and you've just made a, yeah, but, a, a bowl I mean, turn into a the, plate? The answer to that is no pumpkin because the hole is all of the pumpkin. Like that's, that's the limit. Yeah. solution for that whereas this is an actual tunnel That's right true. for the pumpkin i'm impressed i mean from me it's a personal ding okay but eric okay. give us a Res shout i respect we need to go back to eric to see if this this meets then i'm just saying when i solve a problem i don't factor in the preconceived solutions that the problem poser may have i just go wherever wherever the solution leads me i think that's why people tune into the show practical advice like how to tunnel through a pumpkin. Our next spooky problem comes from Greg, also on Twitter, because they were replying to Beck's tweet saying, Hi, Beck. Oh, very formal for a tweet. Good on you, Greg. How do I stop the ghosts in my place from rattling all the doors during the night when I'm trying to sleep and I have to get up at 4 a.m. for the early shift at work? Oh, Greg's really painting a picture here. Uh, I've pleaded with them, had a stern talking to them, but they won't listen. So, Beck, can you fix Greg's spectral problems? Yes, I reckon I can. Good. I really enjoyed trying to solve this problem a lot. So the first thing I noticed about Greg's tweet is that Greg doesn't say, how do I get rid of the ghosts in my place no. that are rattling all the doors? Just stop them. Specifically from rattling all the doors. Just to stop them from rattling all the doors. And so I thought, okay, maybe the ghosts aren't the problem here. Because, you know, they they might be trying to not rattle them. Uh, but it might be the doors at, at the issue. Doors. It'd be like trying to tell the wind to stop moving stuff when the answer is to make the stuff less movable. <laughs> so I thought I would look up tricks on how to stop rattling doors. Oh. So I went down a really fun door deep dive. A door dive. To sort of solve this. And I thought it might be interesting before I solve the problem to do a little quiz. Oh. Because one thing I didn't realize is that doors have a lot of elements that have names. Okay. How, how many door elements can you name? I reckon the door, you got the handle. Is there a strike? The, there's a door jam. I think that's the strip of wood inside. The door? Is there an alcatrave? Is it like the outside bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How am I doing? You're, getting, you're touching. You're touching. Because I know you've got the actual frame of the door. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the sticky out bits that blends the frame into the walls. And then you've got the strip. Is, of, is that the formal? Yeah, 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 yeah. On the inside of the frame, you'll have, I want to say door jam. It's like the, the small inset bit of wood that stops the door from overshooting when you close it. So what you're referring to yep. is actually called a doorstop. A doorstop. 
Oh, it's not very creative. Without the door stop, when you close the door, it would swing through the frame and damage the hinges. Oh, good. Protect the hinges. But you're sort of right because sometimes the door stop is built into the jams. <gasps> so what are the jams? Let's get into it. So jams, written J-A-M-B, like lamb. Oh, that's how people have described our theme song. It's a top jam. It's a top jam. Didn't know that. And the term comes from the French word uh, jam. I'm probably mispronouncing that. It means leg because the door jams are actually the vertical insides of the door frame. So uh, right, right, right. they're the legs of the frame. Of the frame. It's <laughs> what keeps the inside of the frame and it's where your lock jam and your hinge jam would be. So the lock jam is the inside where the little latch of the gotcha. door will go in. Right, yep. And then on the hinge jam, that's where you put the put hinge. The yeah. And the other one you said, it's the strike plate. Yeah. So that is the little metal plate that you would put on the lock jam where the latch would slide into it. So I have a um, lay interest in physical security and exploits, like non-destructive entry, mm -hmm. like lockpicking and that whole genre of things. That's why I know I knew about the strike, because often it's easier to fit a bigger strike or whatever the hole is that the latchy thing goes into, because it doesn't have to be as well aligned. But if you've got too much room to move in there, it's possible to like, shim something in there and push the latch back. You get a credit card Yeah, in. a credit card or something, yeah. yeah. And there's meant to be, there's like, if you look on some uh, latches, there's like a little tiny tube latch next to the main bit that sticks out. And that's meant to be held back by the strike. And when that's held back, it stops the other one from retracting as well, unless you turn the key. So that means you can't get a shim or something in there to push it back. But I suspect it also means if your strike's too big, or the hole in the plate, your door would rattle. And that's exactly right, Matt. You've you've hit the nail on the head. Um, that is one of the large causes. they call me the key master. That is why they call you the key master. Locks. <laughs> so one of the common reasons for rattling doors is because that strike plate is a little too loose. When the wind moves your door, then it has space to move back and forth because essentially the hole is bigger than the latch. So one way that you can stop your doors rattling, if that's the case, is a lot of strike plates now actually have a sort of little metal bit that if you take it off, sometimes you can actually leave it on the door, but essentially you can bend it slightly to make it smaller yep. so that the latch has less room to move. So yeah, that's that's one reason for rattling doors. Rather than breaking down all the different reasons, because we could be here all day, I thought I'd come up with some other ways that you could stop rattling doors. Oh, yeah. So... A very popular one is to use weather stripping, which is sort of like spongy tape or like felt sort of oh, okay. stuff. Yeah. And you put that on the door jam so there's less space for your door to move when it is closed. And that should not only stop the rattling, but also it should minimize any sound leak, which means that if you put that in your bedroom door, Greg, then noise that's happening in the rest of the house might be... Harder to hear. There you go. There's other options if you don't want to get too technical, which is just... Wedge the door. Wedge the door. Yeah. What about bead curtains? I would say that if Greg's ghosts are, are rattling the doors on purpose or not, oh, it, it's probably easier for them to do the same well, thing. Well, I don't know how ghosts... Maybe they pass through the gaps. I don't, I don't know the... Um... Maybe they're like Terminator. Exactly, like a Terminator. <laughs> like, you know when you walk in, walk out like fridges and you get like the... 
there's plastic strip curtains that you still push through. Oh, yeah, yeah, like in butchers. Yeah. In butcher shops yeah. and stuff. Just have those throughout the house. Yeah. There you go. There's another Simple. option, Greg. We're getting creative yeah. now. I like it. Curtains. Um, but I did find out a little fact about doors, oh, Matt. Yeah. Love facts. Love doors. January, the month of January, yep. is named after Janus or Janus, J-A-N-U-S. Oh, okay. Didn't. Who is the god of doors. No. And that's why January is the first month, because it's meant to be opening the door open. into the new year. That's amazing. Isn't that nice? And of course, if these options for some reason don't work, or maybe Greg is like, actually, the doors never rattle. It's only, it is the ghosts. Right. The ghosts are the problem. I looked up what you should do if you have noisy flatmates. Let's call them housemates. Yep. And you're not asking them to, he's not saying, how do I get rid of them? He just wants the rattling to stop. So he's already focused on the yeah. problem. Yeah, which is a good first step. The first thing you should do is not confront the housemate. So it could be that, Greg, if you're sort of pleading or doing a stern telling off in a way that makes them feel attacked, they might actually be less inclined to listen to you. So the best thing to do is wait until a moment where no one is sort of at the height of their emotions and just have a, a sit down, have a quiet, pleasant chat yeah. with them, maybe have a cup of tea or something. House meeting, yeah. Write down the things that are bothering you beforehand just so that you can make sure that you've worked out any of your emotions first and, and you can see it from a more logical standpoint that if it continues, you may have to find different housemates. Yep. So that is the place to start. If they don't listen, then it's worth having a more sort of formal chat about it where you actually introduce some rules. The ghosts might have some rules that they, there might be a reason that they're rattling them. So they might have some rules in place as well. It might be a fact that the ghosts work nights as they well. Work late. Like, yeah, they're you know, you have to get up at 4 a.m., but maybe when you're going about your day, Greg, it's waking them up. And you might need to make some compromises. I think a lot of ghosts do, do work the night shift. Yeah. They're coming home after a hard night's work and, and Greg's you're not cutting them any slack. He's, um... Yeah. So uh, if, that, if that doesn't work, then it might be worth uh, taking it up with uh, either a landlord, if you, if you have one, or um, depending on the level of, uh, of disturbance, you know, you can take it to like a council or tribunal or something. Yeah, like arbitration <laughs> of some form. Yeah. But I did look up also how to get rid of ghosts if it came to that. Oh, oh, that's, and, oh that's extreme. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of, there, there is a lot of information out there and I, I'm not in a oh. position to verify any of it. Wow. On the internet, you <laughs> but say. But I would say apparently sage is a thing. You can use some sage to the, burn and, and the accounting clear out software. negative energies. Yeah, try that. Burn some sage. I guess you put it onto a CD-ROM. Yeah, I'm just going to go burn, burn See sage if that works. to disc. And go, yeah. ghosts hate pirating software. So They do hate pirating. Do. Yeah, that's true. Ghosts and pirates, famously, don't get on. No, or, the, or they are the same thing, if there's anything we learned from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, they're ghosts of pirates, and they're like, this is what our yeah. profession has become. Yeah, they're really upset. upset. They're burning sage. So... <laughs> and then the other one was uh, sound Reiki, which um, Reiki is a type of energy healing. Reiki is an interesting one yeah. because I actually place it somewhere around the same range as ASMR, right. which I find incredibly relaxing. 
And I'm not judging. There's something just about that that is very calming. And Reiki is one where they sort of, instead of massage, like someone just sort of holds their hands over you and it's it's meant to be about the transferring of I, I like, like yourself, I say, I think there's probably a lot of benefit to these things depending on your yeah, level of yeah. uh, belief in their effectiveness. However, what I realized was we have common ground in that the Reiki thing overlaps with uh, like crystals and minerals. Oh, yes. And I'm a big fan, big fan of minerals, right? And so yeah. we have a lot of common ground uh, discussing gemstones and things because I'm coming at it from a geological point of view and they're coming at it from a yeah, Reiki point of view. Yeah, I used to collect stuff like that whenever yeah. I went to the museum as a kid. Yeah. So where they are, that's uh, find, find, finding common ground. That was my policy. Rocks. Is there a Venn diagram out there? I bet there is. There's probably one of those memes where it's like geologists and... And, uh, uh, and crystal healers. healers. Yeah, and, and spiritualists. Check out that And then rock. there's like a shaking hands yeah. emoji yeah. in between uh, them. Yeah, yeah. And that's gemstones, gemstones. in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, minerals. So... But sound Reiki was something that I looked at people use. I thought that might be like Tibetan bowls or something, you know, where it hits like a certain pitch or frequency of vibration. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the the lady that I found that was explaining it sort of likened it more to using a calming voice, which again, I'm like, yeah, that would work. That's good conflict if, resolution I, advice in general. Yeah. So maybe, Greg, maybe you just need to hire someone with a more soothing voice. I used to have a history teacher who had the most soothing voice that I always fell asleep in her class. And it wasn't because she's boring. It's just she had a really, really relaxing voice. So just use a more relaxing tone. Yeah. If all else fails, I mean, just go on YouTube and put in sound Reiki and like a ton of videos come up. So maybe just play that and just see if it helps. If you do it super loud, Greg, whoever's there will leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you are. Wow. <laughs> How to clear out guests at the end of a party. Just put on sound Reiki and turn the volume up until everyone leaves. And now on to any a other O business B. Any other AOB business. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll never tire of that. <laughs> we we did a, a poll after last month's episode on uh, the people have spoken back. Yeah. Because we, we asked you cupboard or nubbard, nubbard. <laughs> and just the context for anyone who, who was unaware what was going on, Beck previously recorded from a cupboard at home and then last month came to visit me and we recorded live, live in my, in my office slash studio. That's right. And then we asked you, which do you prefer? Should I record in person or should I record in a cupboard? And did you have a preference, Beck? <laughs> I won't lie. It was quite nice not being in a cupboard. It was nice to have you visiting, to be honest. It was lovely. Yeah. Fewer so uh, we, we put out a poll. And uh, Matt, would you like to say how many people voted in that poll? 539. Mm -hmm. Rounded up, 1,000 people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is technically. To the nearest 1,000, that's 1,000 people. And 59%. Of that, what is that, Matt? What is 59% of 539? 318 people. 318 of you told me to get back in the cupboard. <laughs> back in the cupboard. 318 people. 
looked at that, not only thought Beck should get back in the cupboard, but then went and hit the cupboard button on the survey. Yeah. The poll was on Twitter. And Mm -hmm. despite it being from a problem squared, and despite the poll saying, this is for listeners of a problem squared, I have a theory uh that some people voted on it who don't listen to the podcast. You think it was brigaded by non-APS listeners? I just feel like, I mean, our listeners are fun. I think enough of them would do it as a laugh. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like our listeners are really nice. I don't think our listeners would send you back to the cupboard. I don't think they would. Unless, of course, it's a sound quality thing, in which case perhaps some people thought that the sound is better. So this is the difference now. You've got this Mm. one to go back to after last week's. Which one sounds better? Because right now, where are you right now, Beck? I am in the cupboard. You're in the cupboard. You're in the cupboard. The people spoke and you listened. Back in the cupboard. <laughs> You're back in the cupboard. <laughs> it was really yeah. nice getting some fresh air, nah. seeing some greenery. Back in the cupboard. Being in the same room as another Australian. Back in the cupboard. Get back in the cupboard, Beck. I don't think we should underestimate both our listeners and just people who follow us on Twitter in general's inclination to pick the funniest option. Yeah. If I saw that poll come up, I- I'd vote cupboard. Exactly. Oh, that'd be tempted by the wordplay. I'm amazed 221 people tried to get you out of the cupboard. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And I want to thank every single one of you. I guess if you voted cupboard, but it was a joke, um, t- tweet us at a problem squared. <laughs> Just let us know. That, that, that. Should we do another poll and ask people if they took the previous poll seriously or not? I mean, I'm just trying to get you out of the cupboard, Beck. That's my only motivation here. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. But until we find a way, you're back in the cupboard. And another item on our any other AOB business list is last month we mentioned that if you like the podcast and, and can't become a Patreon, that, you know, please just just tell stop and tell someone that you like it. Um, send them a message or yeah, tweet it. about it, share it. Exactly. But it also had the the lovely effect of of um, bringing us some new new patrons. So we thought we would actually introduce something to say a little thanks to to everyone who's been supporting yeah. us like that at the end of the episodes. I've uh, quickly whipped up a random Patreon supporter generator. It's a pseudo random name selector. Mm. It's a spreadsheet. I made a spreadsheet, <laughs> and so every episode there's a chance people might get thanked at random. When you say generator, it's not, it's not like creating supporters. It's not like a name generator. That's true. Sorry. We will. They're, they're, we will always say it. There might be a chance it might be your name. Well, knowing us, it's a chance both ways. We <laughs> may or may not remember to do it. <laughs> and we may or may not pick any given name. You uh, make the podcast possible so everyone else can enjoy it. But this time we've picked... Johannes Orland. Bibi Rosenberg. Joanne Kilman. And Steve Music. Um, thank you very much for being our lovely patrons. I bet they all voted to release you from the cupboard. I think so too. Do you know what? If anyone can keep me in the cupboard, it's the people paying. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They should get a super vote. Yeah, yeah. Our Patreon's vote should be worth 10. It's not like we did an episode about voting or anything. <laughs> and of course, we'd also like to thank our wonderful producer, Lauren Armstrong Carter and my co-host Matt Parker, the keymaster. The keymaster. 
Exactly. And what is key, but not another word for legend? Oh. Thank you. I'd give you a double thanks for that. Matt out. <laughs> Done. Can't top that. I was going to thank myself, but I, I want to leave it at that. Nah, I'm just going to put my pumpkin crown on and <laughs> call it a day.